Good afternoon, good evening, even good morning for some of our friends down where Mike is from. It's office hours. We are in uh, 536 episodes of this, and we have Amazing. double Mike all mic'd up. Mike Diamond is in the house. I got to see him at our VIP dinner in Las Vegas last week and joined before he leaves on his uh, quest, Michael Unbroken as well. And I wanted to thank both of you guys uh, for coming out. We had an extraordinary time and you guys added a lot of great value uh, as well. Speaking at the event, people loved you. uh, And uh, it was a bromance between the three of us, that's for sure. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) Cool. Well, we have, unbelievably enough, another Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Kading is here, CEO of Norhart, norhart norhart.com. Uh, welcome to Office Hours, the other Mike. Well, thanks for joining me. I'm excited to be here with two other Mikes. This is amazing. It is amazing. It's, uh, you know, they don't even name kids Mike or David anymore. So, uh, you know, not, <laughs> not right now we'd have like six True. Dakotas before you get three Mikes. Um, <laughs> and, and an apple. And an apple, right, exactly. Uh, but, you know, there's so much that has changed over uh, the generations in you know, the access and democratization of wealth uh, is one of those things that I've seen evolve uh, since they stopped naming kids David and Mike. Um, and you're launching a, pro- a platform uh, for, you know, for me, it, it really represents the democratization that, you know, anyone uh, credited, uncredited can take advantage of what only the wealthy could take advantage of when they used to name people David and Mike. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike, nonetheless, uh, this platform allows people um, in real estate, especially to to really take advantage of what has made generational wealth uh, in America, especially. Give us some of the nuances of the democratization that you guys are providing uh, as you're launching this investment platform for everyone. Yeah. So really at a high level, what we're trying to do as a company is to solve housing affordability by producing so many amazing homes for people at a low cost point. But in order to do that effectively, we have to raise capital. Well, the reality is most residential or most real estate developers find capital using accredited investors. People can bring millions of dollars to the table. They give them great deals to do that. But for the majority of us, we don't have access to those kinds of investments. And so we have taken this different approach where we have gone the harder route with the SEC, got audited. It's a year-long process, or hundreds of pages of legal documents to get to the point where we can release or offer a product to the entire market, where people can invest with our company, with Norhart Invest, earn a rate of return they can't typically get elsewhere, and help us then achieve housing affordability for people nationwide as we as we expand and grow beyond that. It's amazing. Mike, I'm so sorry uh, for the passing of your dad mm. reading in the notes and that pivotal moment um, of, you know, you, you know, having to, you know, go through that and then take on what you're taking on. A lot of people don't recover from those losses. Mm-hmm. So if people that are that are at home watching this, you know, you go through the grief and then you have to like take that pain and move forward. Can you explain some of that process? Because a lot of people just, they fold and you're so courageous to keep moving forward and do such great work. 
It's horrible. I mean, losing your dad is, especially the fact that my dad was fairly young, is really rough. Um, and there comes a point at which you have a decision to make. You can either sit in that grief where you can choose to turn the grief around and make it something positive in your life. And for me, the way I've chosen to look back at that moment is it it gave us sort of a, a moment of magic where we could start questioning the way this industry operated. We could start challenging the way that homes were built and start changing it, right? Because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't have a guide or a mentor anymore to guide me. And I could start experimenting. Our team could start experimenting. And that was sort of the genesis to start transforming the way this industry is done. But at the core of it, it's just a matter of getting back up and choosing to have a positive outlook. Yeah. And Mike, that's one of the arguably most difficult things that we do as individuals in the face of loss. Um, you know, housing scarcity in this country is pretty wild right now. Even in small town America, single bedroom apartments are $1,500, $2,000 a month. And I think that so many people over the course of the pandemic got priced out of the option of even tapping into real estate because you had so many of these mega corporations buying everything. Can you break down a little bit how kind of like the everyday person can actually start to create that financial shift for their family with what you do? You know, I think the, the biggest, most beneficial part of Northern Invest is simply that you get a stability that you would normally expect at a bank, but sort of market rate returns. So you're actually getting a higher rate of interest. I think if someone is trying to get into real estate themselves right now, it is, it's horrible. The fact that interest rates have risen, housing is actually even worse, even more expensive today than it was a couple of years ago with all of the institutions stepping in. And I, I, again, I go back to, I think the only way to solve it is to solve the inputs, to be able to provide enough housing to the market such that the supply is there and prices start coming down naturally. But the way we can provide that supply is by first driving down the cost of construction and so if I were an individual uh, investor or homeowner today, I would actually look at putting my money not in an individual house, but putting in things like the stock market simply because homes are so unaffordable today. And in what respect, how much money um, are you raising uh, and how many homes do we need to create a, a supply and demand that would allow affordable housing? Yeah, our dream over the next decade is to scale up to about 60,000 units per year in production, about 192,000 units under management at that point. Um, to get there, that's, I mean, that's billions. But what we're raising right now is on the order of about $50 million to kind of take the next step. What we're really doing, you know, Elon Musk talks about how it's hard to produce a car, but it is 10 to 100 to 1,000 times harder to produce the system that builds that car. We're taking this capital and building that infrastructure required to produce housing and uh, apartments at scale at that lower cost point. And that's what we're executing on. So Mike, you said uh, mentors and you didn't have any, you had to kind of go at it, but obviously history repeats itself and success, you can model success. Are there people that you look at in the business and are there things that you study that you go, oh, 
I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I'm going to do that because, you know, we, we, like Dave always says, the dummy tax, you know what I'm saying? So what do you look at? What do you, you know, how do you navigate this? Cause you know, it's, 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 it's a big goal and it's an incredible goal, but you're helping so many people. So you've got to just stay in the process. So how do you navigate that? Yeah. The, one of the most important things you can do as a leader is to learn as much as you humanly can. And the reality is I don't know much. And so a, we're experimenting, but B to learn from as many great mentors as we can possibly find. So I'm in a variety of mastermind groups. Spend about 20 hours a week, not exaggerating, just spending learning. And, uh, and one of my favorite, um, kind of mentors, the wrong word, cause he didn't mentor me, but favorite people that I like looking up to is Rita Hastings from Netflix. And the one lesson I learned from him that totally changed my world was to hire the very best people. And when we say best, we truly mean the best, like world-class people. We will fly people in from other states to come work during the week and fly them home. One of our employees in 2007, Steve Jobs, announces the iPhone. Steve Jobs walks off that stage, and our employee walks on that same stage following that presentation. And what most people think is they think, well, that sounds expensive to hire the best. But what most people fail to understand is that the best people outperform the average by two to five to 10 times as much. So if you look at it, instead of a cost per person, you look at a cost per unit produced, the best people are actually your least expensive and you can't afford not to hire them. It's so yeah. true. Uh Ahead, it's just like, I was just saying it was it was a lesson I learned the hard way over mm. many, many years at the beginning of my entrepreneur journey. So I actually love that. That's such great advice. And entrepreneurs get scared, right? Business owners get scared. They're like, this guy is 12% of overhead, but he produces 42% of profit, right? And it's like, how do you get to the place where you can allow yourself just across the board, right? You're you're looking at innovating, you're looking at market interruption, you're looking at creating a precedent for the future. Like, like how do you move through that space of, of fear to execute? I, I, you do have to have a high tolerance for risk and fear and pain. Because the reality is when you get into something new, I'm always terrible at it. And the fact is the vast majority of us are that way. And what's what's crazy is as we grow older, we become more afraid of that failure, of that fear. But the reality is when we're young, we don't have that fear. We're terrible at everything. We can't walk. We can't talk. We can't ride a bike. But we're okay with that because we're learning and growing. So I think the best entrepreneurs, the best leaders as they grow older, are the ones that are okay with struggling, with okay of not being the best because it's in the journey of struggling, beating against the wall, rubbing out against the tough moments that actually refine you to be the incredible person that you can be. I think it's all about having that right perspective is what really matters. And if I get down to a little bit more hard tax than mm -hmm. dummy tax, uh, you know, what is the average cost of an apartment and how much savings uh, or cost savings is there in the system that you've created? Uh, what's the differential and are there certain locations that you have to start in because of the cost of land and uh, materials? 
Yeah, so the the cost ranges tremendously depending on if you do a really high end building, a low end building. Um, but to give you some sense, it probably ranges between one hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars a unit, depending on where you build in the country. Uh, for comparable products, we typically are able to achieve about a twenty to thirty percent reduction in cost today. And our dream over time is to reach a fifty percent reduction in those costs. Wow, that'd be amazing. Got time for another question? One of the mics want to mic up? Ted, go ahead, Mike Diamond. Uh, okay, because I was I, I, I've I've got more in the chamber right now. Ask more questions. <laughs> you wanna, I was trying to be like that guy not today. All right, so everyone's talking about these prices going through the roof. Some people say a crash is coming. What do you think? Is a crash coming? Everything works in cycles. Two thousand and eight. Some people say the next one's coming soon because the price is too high. What do you think? I can't speak to the overall economy, but I can speak to real estate. And in real estate right now, it is absolutely happening. With the rise in interest rates means that banks are providing less proceeds, less dollars to projects. And what we're seeing is that new projects are not being built. In the, the United States, the data I last looked at recently is that the new starts for these multifamily buildings, these apartments, have fallen by 70% in the past year which is crazy because the demand is higher than it's ever been. And so we're starting to see that ripple through the economy a little bit. And I expect over the next year or two, unless that changes, uh, we'll start seeing an impact in the world of construction. We're already seeing construction pricing falling. We're seeing developers pull back. Um, but I think from the ones who can actually execute right now are the ones that are gonna be most successful because nobody, less people are building today, so when those buildings come open, there'll be less buildings on the market, and those are the ones that have the greatest success. And when are you launching the platform itself, and when will we see the first uh, builds? Yeah, so the platform actually launched about two months ago, and uh, yeah, people can invest today. And what's the minimum investment someone could make? Yeah, today it's $2,500. Oh, wow. Very affordable. And what's the return? Is it a note or how how's the return work? Yeah, so the return could vary over time, but as of today, it's eight and a half percent. And is it liquid? Uh it depends on how you want to long you want to lock it in for between six and twenty-four months. Oh wow. So it's a monthly lock-in. Nice. Well, uh I appreciate a man who not only democratizes the investment side but also creates benefit for our society by providing affordable housing, which is one of the top three issues in America, believe it or not. Uh, so as you look out there, uh, we need more people, more entrepreneurs, ca compassionate capitalists like Mike Kading. Mike Kading, please come back and join us. If you want to go to norhart.com or norhartinvestment.com, uh, make your first $2,500 or more investment pick your return on investment, get an increased percentage back as well. And uh, there's nothing like great capitalists who are looking out for the betterment of all. Mike, thank you for completing the set of mics today. I appreciate you being on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You <laughs> got it. All right, boys. Uh, as we... Uh, wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Things are yeah. changing, man. Ch things are changing and the government is supporting people like Mike Kading as well, which is nice. Takes a little bit of time and investment, but 
uh, it's going to allow more people, uh, you know, especially in that range of single moms and, you know, really hardworking uh, blue collar workers to be able to afford uh, and support their families in a high quality environment, which is really, uh, to me, incredible. Um, as we right. wait for my friend Ryan Beck, who's been on before, uh, one of my great uh, stories in the internet. Um, you guys were in Vegas. I'd love you know to get to your takeaway of the day from Vegas. Uh, both of you took your time. And Mike Diamond, geez, you uh, flew, uh, drove in to to be there. Mike, you've held off your vacation, uh, Michael. I'm broken to be there. Uh, give me a takeaway uh, from las vegas and the vip dinner that we had me first yeah sure you know what's really <laughs> special dave well i didn't know i'm just being you know it's yeah, if i say mike guy. who the, who the yeah. we're gonna be confused mike yeah, I, I look right, at us high, okay. hierarchy but, of t- time versus beauty my friend but, yeah age, but, age but, before but, beauty no but, doubt but i um, what about let's do a show with three relucas what, what oh the chances God, that would be the funniest right um, it was really special, Dave, because there were so many different people um, and the stories. The one thing I loved that resonated with me, and I think it was the um, your friend, the figure skater. Yeah, John. Who Clark. had to, yeah, who had to go out on on him by himself uh, and and go against you know everything to make himself a world champion. But every story that came out and everyone I mingled with, there was this beautiful uh, success story of resilience everyone had something about hitting a wall, facing adversity and fighting back. And everyone we I spoke to at the dinner had that common theme. And it was so nice to just know you're in a room around people that are, are working really hard, but we all like, it's hard, but you work together. And that's a really great community. It, it, it just, it was so natural and everyone was, pushing towards the same goals and everyone's got their own in- internal fights, but it was so, it was so, it was real. It was really organic. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So did I. Michael, I'm broken. Yeah. Look, it's funny because as I was leaving to head out early, which in a sense, like was really sad for me because I love being in those rooms. I love, I, I connected with so many people after it was just like, tell me about last night. I must've sent out like 10 of those texts and everyone's like, it was amazing. And as I was driving and and heading out of town, I was just thinking to myself, you know, there is something about putting yourself in those rooms that reinforces that you're in the place that you're supposed to be. And I think that a lot of people, and, and I've been guilty of this too in the past, find that fear of enoughness or not enoughness of not showing up, of not being there, even sometimes when invited, right? You're like, I'll think of any reason to not show up. And And I think when you put yourself in these rooms and you meet the amazing people like the Mike Diamonds, like the Flexes, like the the Ryans and the Netas and all these people, it's like they all have one thing in common. They were willing to bet on themselves. And as a reflection of that, as a person in the room, it's just a powerful reminder of the same. It's like you don't get in this room if you don't bet on yourself. Yeah, you know, and I I always aware in everything I do because my life of options, opportunities, and touches a favor of living in abundance. It's interesting because I can uh, guide a level of scarcity by those people that don't show up, whether invited or not, right? I love the people who are knocking the doors down to show up and those people that also show up. The interesting thing for me is that uh, 
bringing you know so many high level people like Ryan Pinedo, Forrest Griffin, Flex Lewis, Ned Elena, Mike Diamond, Michael Unbroken, just to name a few, right? And we've been in rooms with Jim Quick and Austin Eckler, Michael Chandler, Jeff Hoffman, founder of Priceline, Clinton Sparks, and the list will go on. And we have ones coming up with Tom Brady and, and Tom Bilyeu and Drew Brees and Marshall Falk next week in Indy. But the interesting thing I find is those guys get invited everywhere. Mm -hmm. They get paid uh, a lot of money to Chicharito, for example, right? Like that guy can't even fly commercial into Mexico City uh, when we're going to be sharing that stage with Brady and Bill, you and me. He, he has to fly private because he can't even fly into the airport because he's like the president. But the most interesting thing is they want to show up there because mm -hmm. of the conversation. Forrest Griffin, uh, he he said it all when I saw him uh, at the Vegas event. He goes, dude, the only reason I come here is the people. Like, I just like having real conversations. People, you know, don't just want to take a selfie with me, right? They're, they're talking about their kids, meeting at the park, you know, all the challenges, like you said, everyone's having deeper conversation than, you know, hey, I saw you on TikTok. You're, you know, aren't you the champion blank? You know, there's a, this one, especially in Vegas, there's just a bunch of champions, right? Like <laughs> world's best, the world's best at a lot of things. And uh, I really love the fact that we find these common threads, whether it be resilience, humility, uh, addiction, trauma, you know, wh whatever it is, and we're all able to share uh, the lessons that we've learned and solutions and network uh, of support of people that want to help each other, know people that can help each other. And, you know, I'm really glad that you two guys, again, you know, are great, uh, not only testimonials to what we're doing as celebrities yourself, but just what we're doing for the community. And every time you show up, my heart sings, you could Feel, you could feel the excitement. Mike, Michael Unbroken and I came over from a family because uh, we weren't sure Michael Unbroken could make it, a family uh, pre-dinner. And the first person I saw when I woke <laughs> to the VIP dinner was Mike Diamond. And you can feel, like I, I tapped Michael Unbroken on the shoulder. I'm like, dude, look who it is. And all of a sudden you could feel electricity. And there he was. Mike it, was it, it was, to me, one of my favorite moments uh, because awesome. it was so uh, amazing and energy. Um, hold awesome. on one second. Let's, let's bring the one Reluca on. So what's going on with my boy? One <laughs> Reluca. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is the one Reluca with the two mics and the one David. Go ahead. Ryan has um, connect, connection issues. So a Shannon Tell will... Tell him to pray. They pulled a hamstring. Yeah. Tell him to pray. Yeah, he's I had Bon Jovi's kid on this morning. He had connection problems. Now, like, you know, pray.com is the number one, uh, world's number one app for daily prayer, faith based. And he's having connection. All these people trying to pray and no connection. Like, what's going on, dude? Yeah, exactly. I'm praying for him to get on my goddamn show, God darn it. We got one more. though, she will be joining shortly. Who's short? Did you say I'm short? No. That's a fireable offense right there. Beluga, you're way taller than I thought. I was like, everybody wow. says that. Yeah, everybody yeah, says that. She's way younger wow. than I thought. I almost fired her because I was like, <laughs> man, because I thought she was like 30. Because, you know, remotely, you don't know how 
old people are. And so like some of her questions, I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to work out. Like she's, she's 30 and she's asking these questions. And then I found out she was 22. I'm like, Oh, thank God. I told Julie, I'm like, I'm not going to have to fire Veluca. She's like, why? I go, because she's only 22. <laughs> she's actually way, way wow. ahead of herself. I wow. thought she was like five years behind, but she's three years ahead. Uh, so, exactly. I just don't know why she married a 40-year-old. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dave, really? You're throwing out the laundry on the, on the show? <laughs> no, he's not 40. He just looks like he is. Because <laughs> he's because he's working really hard to build himself a life, and exactly. you know this as well as I do, David. Uh, sometimes I wake up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm 66 years old today. Exactly. You know, and that's the that's the fee for entrepreneurship, right? Oh I think, yeah, you know, you, you're out here, you're hustling, you're building. You got a wife <laughs> who's 22 working for David Meltzer. I'd be I'd be looking like I'm 42. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but Shannon so will be joining Charlie. Okay. okay. Thank you, Luca. We will pray that Thank she you. makes it. Awesome. So, we'll, you know we'll what I'm going to say, Dave, what's really special? So years ago, um, when I was doing stand-up comedy, I, I, I go to the comedy store in New York, right? And um, you would be in there and you'd, you'd get to do a set or I was, at, I was at the Laugh Factory or I was in the comedy store. And I, like Dave Chappelle would come in. And go, can I can I do a set? You're like, <laughs> you're Dave Chappelle. You're working on <laughs> jokes. And what you created that just clicked to me is like this: the entrepreneurs or these people. It's like their comedy store. It's like their cellar mm, where yeah. they can go to the big venue, right? But they can come and be around people like-minded. It's like a really like the actor studio back in the day. Yeah. The great actors would say. I just went in to watch Paul Newman and work on a scene, and we would talk and have coffee, and that's how De Niro met Scorsese and you created that by just being a great entrepreneur and helping people. Right. But that's, what's attractive because when you're doing it and like when I could still go to the comedy store now and I would see Joe Rogan all the time back in 2009, Bill Burr, and you just get on stage and they're like, I got to work a joke. Can I jump before you? Like, yeah, dude, work, work the set. And it was horrible, <laughs> but it was really bad. And then you would see the special and that's what you've done. You've given this beautiful free space where they can talk and they it, it's it's real again because i think when you know it's like when i used to go when i opened up my rock bar i had these rock stars playing acoustic and it held 200 people yeah but it yeah. was real again because then you go back on the big stage you don't get that feeling so the mm. feeling was so great that you're in this room and everyone's like this is real this isn't yeah. you know it's it's that's the exact idea i actually took it from uh, in New Orleans, I was blessed. If you ever heard of Benny's, I know you're in the music world, yeah, right. So you 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 play, you know, at Tipitina's, and then you know they finish at three in the morning, and then everybody goes over to Benny's, which is like this old New Orleans house, all acoustic, right? And and you get like yeah. literally the biggest legends, legends. Yeah. You know, Santana's yeah. laying yeah. his guitar on his lap, right, and playing Black Magic Woman you know, this style on his lap and singing, right? And you're sitting there and it's literally the same scene. It's like, hey, this is how I started, right? We all just used to party and jam and, you know, try out chords and work out. Yeah. You know, you got like, you know, Little John with Carlos Santana with P-Funk, you know? <laughs> it's like everybody's hanging out and wanting, hey, can I join in, right? Somebody, you know, join, grabs a tambourine and you're like, holy crap, you know? 
that's Elton John. You know, like whoever. Yeah, but it's uh, true. It's like that, that organic that's, thing. Yeah, that's what you it's did. It's super cool, right? Like, I mean, in the entrepreneur space, we've had, you know, the biggest entrepreneurs in the world just walk in and, and want to and leave. You know, I, I think Jeff Hoffman in, is one of them. He just comes to meet everyone, right? He, and he just, he, he flies in just to go to that part of it, right? Where it, you know, different. Jim Quick did it, by the way, at, at VCon, right? He wasn't even speaking at VCon. He just came in for the dinner, you, you know, and, you know, this, these are amazing people. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good feel and a good analysis of what's going on um, as, as we go. Now, Jay is scheduled to come on in one minute. So we'll see when Luke is panicking in the back. Uh, he's okay. just, this is why I okay. love having two hosts. We can just interview. Let, let's see what's going on. All right. Well, Luke, now, what fast. happened? Here's a, oops. I was going to say, here's a question for you guys if you want to answer this before uh, Shannon comes on. Shannon, not Jay? <laughs> no, Shannon. Oh, yeah. nice. I, I'm blessed I got the wrong notes. <laughs> no, you're, I think you went up one. Yeah, Jay. I thought, oh, I thought it was Jay as well. Shannon, okay. I think I was. I had Dave's notes. <laughs> nor, nor, normally, normally, we're thanking Raluca and Gigi. I send you, you guys updated. I have the update. You'll introduce Shannon. You'll introduce Shannon if he gets there. But let's answer this question. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're real here in Office Hours. We've done this oh, over five years. Where'd she go? Where was the question to answer? There was no question. It's, it's right. It's right. There. It's right there. <laughs> have you learned? Have you learned slash heard anything new recently that has shifted your perspective? Mike, unbroken. You go first. Beauty before age. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm honored. Um, <laughs> I, that's a great question. Um, I was I was thinking about this the other day as I was coaching one of my my one on one clients, and I'm watching their life just kind of transform in real time, and and it was just a reminder to me. And they're they're up there in age. They're in their 60s, and you know to be getting coached and being coachable at 60, you don't see that very often. Right. It's very, very rare. And there was something that sat in that moment with me, because to be honest with you, at 37 years old, I sometimes feel like I'm behind the eight ball. Like I haven't done enough. Like I haven't created enough. Like I haven't built the life that I want to build yet. And I sit here and I'm, I'm having this conversation with this woman. And I was just like, there's still time. I'm still alive keep going. And that's the thing I, I, I want people to leverage is like, if you're breathing, you have an opportunity. And, and as I think about painting the picture into my own future, I, I cannot help but just sit in the reality that time just simply can't be the factor for why you shouldn't or can't do things. And instead, it should be the very reason why you should. Love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, for me, it's been interesting. It's not, which is so hard for me to do, do things for the right reasons, but be, you don't know the results. You're not supposed to know the results. So like, for example, I got a, a, an email from this, uh, this school, this Catholic school in the UK. And I thought it was spam. And I replied, yeah, yeah, of course I'll come out and speak in the UK, fly me out. And I'm thinking, yeah, what, what I got kicked out of Catholic school. Why would they want me to speak? And the Reverend wrote me this whole thing, like your story, we read your book is so empowering and how you got sober and it's going to really affect the kids. And it's a really great keynote fee. And, you know, you've got a Christ-like message. And I'm like, I didn't write the book. I thought there's no way a Catholic school would look at my story. I, could kick, I talk about getting kicked out of Catholic school. 
And I thought that's, see that just, I did the right work, but I don't know who's going to receive the message. And that's been so important for my perspective to just do the right work and whoever picks it up, as long as I'm doing the right work, they're going to give me the opportunities. I've just got to stay out of the results. And you said this one thing when I did the playbook um, you, that really hit me, Dave, and I went back and watched it. I don't, I don't interfere anymore. I remove yeah. the interference. And you, you hit me with that. You know what I mean? You're like interference. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. So now I just do what feels right. I'm kind, compassionate, very empathetic. And then the results, I don't know. The universe will give me what I'm supposed to get to. So it's like that changed my perspective. Like a Catholic school, of course I'll do it. I didn't expect that. So it was a really nice, you know, change of the way I looked at things. That is cool. My mine uh, perspective shifting is about abundance. And I've had, especially in the last few weeks, you know, a real shift in the faith in abundance. So one, you know, I had uh, someone who I wrote the forward to a book, uh, literally verbatim, you know, take on as I was promoting the book, you know, my mission is to empower others, to empower others to be happy. And everyone around me got so upset. And I'm like, no, no, uh, I've had this experience before. I had someone who all both of us know I was sitting backstage and he was kind of the, the warm up speech. And he literally said stuff like be more interested than interesting, quoting like everything I say. And Colleen, our president of the company, was so upset. She's like, he's repeating exactly what you, you say. I'm like, well, that's what my mission is, is to empower others, to empower others. If you're not clever enough to use your own words, like you two guys, we all three say the same shit. We just say it differently. Different. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, and it both is like, I open up like guys on the show or they'll have a great guest. Like we're about to have Shannon's just got here. Right. And then the, the other co-hosts that I have on my show say, Hey, I want Shannon on my show. Well, sometimes I give everybody, you know, abundantly Shannon's, uh, thing and every once in a while I forget not everybody's abundant and I get this call somebody's like dude I have six people inviting me on their show you can't just give out my email right I'm like okay so you don't have a system to vet people and now you're just proving mm. why you know you shouldn't be on my show or you know other people are recommending you know people uh, to the studio I have it's like aren't you upset that, you know, they have recommended so-and-so and can you write? I'm like, no, this is abundance at its best. And I'm shifting away from the perspective of like, yeah, you know, I, I'm bothering you to, Hey, just create a system to vet, you know, the, the people that are being introduced to you, because look, if you want to do business with me or be part of what I'm doing, I'm abundant. Use my words, use my books, use my relationships. And if, you haven't reached the point where you've learned to vet uh, opportunities and options and it's offensive to you that I think this person would be a good guest or, a, you know, a good cohort at Blue Wire Studios or a good, you know, use my words, then you know what? You're, you're not at my frequency and maybe you should go mm. on somebody else's show. Anyway, Shannon is here. Great. I'm going to give her uh, email out to everyone in our... No, <laughs> Give it, give everyone yourself. No, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Michael, I'm broken. Why don't you introduce our, our dear friend that's here? 
Yeah, Shannon, we're super excited to have you. She's the CEO and founder of Northwest Battle Buddies. If you go to northwestbattlebuddies.org, and they do incredible work with veterans, and they give professionally trained service dogs to veterans battling PTSD. I could not love this more as someone from a military family who unfortunately could not get the opportunity to serve. Thank you for doing this. It's so needed. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's very nice to meet you all as well, David. I'm super excited and extremely honored to be able to serve our American heroes the way we do at Northwest Battle Buddies. You, you know, it's interesting because right now I just brought back home my battle buddy, my little miniature dachshund had back surgery. Um, and yesterday was probably the lowest energy point of maybe the last three years for me. And I didn't know if it was Mercury in retrograde, but I think it was more being a clear sentient of the true feeling uh, that of connectivity that I have with my dog. And I've seen tons of movie, read tons of book and witnessed uh, great service animals in general. Um, but it makes an exponential difference, whether it's an equestrian, a dog uh, or, or other animals. What are some of the things that the general public may not know when you're doing this great service, the value in the healing that a service animal gives, especially our heroes? Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's a great question. It's absolutely life-changing. What is the difference they make? It is the difference at times between life and death. You know, yeah. our, our veterans, you know, we're battling, um, you know, a suicide rate of 22 veterans a day. Northwest Battle Buddies has gifted 212 service dogs, and we have not lost one veteran to suicide. Our dogs are not only just changing lives, but they're saving their lives. Our service dogs are there in the darkest hour when nobody else is. And, and in a practical sense, our dogs are alerting on the adrenaline and stopping panic attacks. They're waking them up from nightmares. They're acting as a social barrier so they feel safer in public. You know, and the fact is, is that they are a bridge to breaking these barriers of emotional detachment starting on day one and it's just incredible to be able to be a part of it shannon when you when you're uh training a service dog um i had bull terriers showed mm -hmm. them my dog just passed actually a few months ago and it was really hard like going like no i don't have a dog because it's just not the right time a certain do, do you look for a certain character in a dog for a special like this kind of working dog um, can any dog be trained into this kind of service dog? Because dogs are pretty unconditional. What do you look for? Yeah. So number one, not every dog can be trained to be a service dog. And yes, we do look for certain traits. Even though we at Northwest Battle Buddies are not breed specific, we have gotten dogs out of shelters and we still take dogs out of shelters. But because we are one of the largest service dog providers in the United States, we do look for the traits that come from like the English lab and the English cream golden retriever. Genetically, those dogs are in their number one. They're not threatening to the public because when we do provide a service dog to a veteran, we want them to have we want to break barriers. We don't want to create barriers. And so if true. there is an intimidating breed, even though we do have some pit bulls, we have German shepherd dogs in the program. I love all dogs. Um, some more than others, but the fact is, is that we do try to use a lot of wisdom to make sure that we continue to help break those barriers. Cause we also have children in the home. We have, you know, when somebody's coming to do your state farm insurance or whatever it might be, you may not want to see a German shepherd right there at the desk. So we try to pay attention to that as well. Again, and we also use a lot of Australian Labradoodles and that way for the hypoallergenic dog, just great, great dogs. That's incredible. Um, I, 
I love that you've been doing this since you were 25 years old. And there's, as I'm sitting here, I think to myself, because like David and Mike, we interview hundreds and hundreds of people a year, but your passion, maybe even thousands, your, your passion comes through in a way that's palpable. Like we can all feel it. And as someone who has lost family members and friends to suicide, some veterans, some not, it's like, this being an option of opportunity for people is so, so powerful. Why are you so passionate about this? Why is this so important to you? And why should we all take a lot of consideration in supporting what you're doing? Well, thank you. That's a loaded question. But I will tell you one of the reasons that everybody needs to listen to this is because our freedom isn't free. And our veterans that are battling invisible wounds of war are still paying a price for our freedom. They're still paying a price, even though they're not putting the uniform on. But the reason I have the passion I do is because of the way that my father raised me. I have, a, I have an incredible, I had incredible parents that were married for about 50 years, but my dad was an incredible patriot. He served during the Korean War in the Air Force, and he was so proud. But even after he got out, I couldn't stand and, and watch him do the national anthem or put his hand over his heart without tears running down his face or his chin going. And he taught me to believe when you're in the presence of a veteran, you're in the presence of a hero, even though he never considered himself one. So when I had a veteran come into my for-profit business, he got my attention because he was a veteran and he wanted his dog to be trained to be a service dog. And I've trained service dogs before, but never for a veteran with PTSD. And so I did what I do in, in asking questions and assessing the dog. But when it came time, for him to come and start to train his dog, because I trained his dog for months. When it came time for him to start to train his dog, that's what made the difference for me. I saw him find courage inside himself to do for her what he was afraid to do for. I saw him find courage to do for her what he was afraid to do for himself. And I saw him find courage to go places with her. He was afraid to go alone. And I, after everything I've accomplished in the dog world, I have the honor of working with the police departments. I've competed internationally. I've trained thousands of pets for people but when he walked away, I significantly felt like I made the difference in the quality of somebody's life. And it made me think if I can just adopt dogs out of shelters, I can gift them and I can say thank you for my freedom. And that was 212 service dogs ago. And we are not slowing down because our veterans, our American heroes, they deserve it and they need it. Wow. Last question, Shannon. And uh, thank you for your service. And I know all three of us are blessed to have a variety of different veterans and veteran supporters and spouses of veterans and a variety of first responders and currently doing a movie with Angelo Pizzo about first responders uh, called the horses of fire that take an analogous look at what the horses in New York city would do standing literally in fire and burning while they saved people's lives. I don't know how you can train a horse to stand in fire, uh, let alone be close to it, but that's, the ability that true whisperers have or trainers have, but it's not inexpensive. And part of the reason I wanted you on our show with the great community, we have the size of the community and the engagement of the community is that it's not inexpensive. And the more financing that we can give to this to have more impact is most important to me and the boys here. And so uh, as a final question, I'd love for you to one, explain, how expensive it is and why people should donate to help support you so that we can save more lives or more heroes lives more importantly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking that. Well, 
in order for us to give these service dogs, it costs Northwest Battle Buddies $25,000 per dog. And the reason it is so expensive is we train these dogs for five months professionally. And then we have veterans come from all across the nation and they train with us for five weeks and then we gift them the service dogs. We we offer continued education for our veterans. They recertify yearly, which means they come back and they test. And we are a family. And why should people give? Because it is we the people that need to make a difference for our veterans. It's not the government, it's not, it's it's us. It is our freedom. It's our freedom that they've paid a price for. And from from all the conflicts before and everybody that will stand on a wall for us in the you know, in, in the future. But we need help, and it is the generosity of our donors that makes it possible for Northwest Bible Base to do what we do. And we have a waiting list now of 70 veterans that are waiting. And right now, if somebody wanted to get a dog today, they have to wait about nine months, up to nine months. Well, with a suicide rate of 22 veterans a day, we don't have time to waste. Thank you so much. Mike um, Broken, please let everyone know where they can reach out and support this amazing cause. Yeah, Thank this is so beautiful. Much. Yeah, of course. And everyone can learn more about Shannon and Northwest Battle Buddies at northwestbattlebuddies.org. Absolutely incredible. Thank you for being here. Shannon, Thank come on so other much. shows. I love your passion, sincerity, the authenticity. I know I got choked up and so did you when you were explaining the impact that it has and the lives that it saves. Please join us again. And thank you and your team for all you do. We love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bless Thanks. you too. Look, man, there's just good people out there. I, I talked about at the dinner with you guys how deep our bench is with our kids. You know, I had a 17 and 19 year old there asking old soul wise questions. And I'm just thinking, how blessed are we? But I'm also <laughs> I want people to mine for gold when they're looking at people in the United States, because Shannon, she's made of gold. And so many people are digging for dirt uh, with really mm -hmm. good people. Let's all mine for gold in the people closest to us uh, because there's a lot of gold. We got a deep bench of children out there that are gonna carry us forward, but we got a bunch of golden people out there already helping others help others. And that's what you two do every week by showing up. I appreciate both of you. Thank you so much. Mike Unbroken, Mike Diamond. We'll see you next week. See you, man. Awesome. All right, everyone, as always, Come and join me if you want to know where we're at, because I don't even know all the different places and all the different extraordinary people. Just email me, david at dmelster.com. Of course, I'll throw a book in. I'll sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping in the book. But we have so many things going on. I think I have 23 speaking dates, VIP dinners and meetups in October alone. So if you want to be alerted, if we're coming to your city or meeting one of these great people or coming to a VIP dinner, just 949 298 2905 949-298-2905. Remember, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. See you tomorrow. Thanks. <laughs>